Greeting knights and welcome to the next episode of the Knights Errant Podcast. Joining me uh, on this show is everyone's favourite, the esteemable Gaz. Gaz, say hello mate. Alright mate, how's it going? Yeah, really good. Gaz has joined us after a long period away. He's yeah. been in the land of the rising sun, haven't you, mate? Yeah, yeah. Been, uh, well, I haven't been eating sushi. I was going to say I've been eating sushi then, but <laughs> I don't like fish, so I struggle <laughs> for food over there, to be honest. So, so. And, uh, so, yeah, long time away, but for good reasons. Seeing family and spreading good news. Yeah, yeah, we've got uh, a nerd little... on the way. So, yeah. Uh, well, another night. Wood. Yeah. Well, yeah. Another... <laughs> About to join us in the strategium of this year, Battle Cruiser. Damn. Uh, he won't, that, no. will he? He'll just turn around <laughs> and go, You're such a geek, Dad. <laughs> so, yep, so Gaz, with his plus one about to happen. Uh, Wes can't join us tonight. He's off. Uh, I don't know what Wes is doing. I have no idea. Riding bikes, flying planes, helicopters, yeah. whatever it is he does, being the international man of mystery that yeah. he is. Just imagine a uh, uh, Top Gun. That's what he is. Except not yeah. Goose. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he is. Maybe well, that's why we haven't heard from him for a while. <laughs> that ejector seat work. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, so, what we're going to do tonight, uh, we'll go through a little bit of what's new, um, what we've been up to in the hobby, including uh, Gazzy's desire to buy a Warmonger Titan. And then the main body, we'll talk about the book's Solar War. Uh, we don't care that there's going to be spoilers in this, so if you don't want to hear it, don't listen to it. But we are going to talk about this excellent book because both of us are really excited about it uh, and can't wait to talk about it. So that's what we're going to do. It's our show after all. Uh, and then we'll wrap up. <laughs> Could you imagine if someone has actually been waiting to hear this for, I don't know, four weeks and God knows why they'd be wanting to hear us anyway. But they're just going, I don't want to know about Solar War. <laughs> So we're going to have to well, wait even longer. Yeah, just don't about listen Solar to this War. show. <laughs> we're going to tell you all about how the Siege of Terror starts. So that's what we're going to do. So what I think we'll do, we'll move into what's new. Yep, so we've got some nice Terminators for the White Scars. Yep, Eben Kishi, the models are out. Yeah. Uh, Tartarus, with a, a hint of the Oriental to them. What's your view, Gaz? What do you think of them? I really like them, to be honest. I can't remember the rules. I'll be bl- fully honest with you. You know, uh, but model-wise, standard price for all the Terminators, aren't they? Uh, yeah. What, 60 quid? Yeah. Is that not a little bit more expensive than other special Terminator groups? I know my Crimson Paladins are 60 quid as well. Okay. So... Obviously in Tartarus, so yeah. you know faster than Cataphracty. Uh, no guns on them, so it's all about their blades. Which it's all about redemption, mate. It's all about getting in yeah. there and redeeming yourself. So, I mean, we still we're still to talk about the white scars from our book eight review. We haven't yeah. done that yet. So. And that that just shows how organised we are. That. Uh, we, we knew we was going to talk about these and not one of us bothered to go and get the rules, did we? So, uh, so I don't think we need to talk about the rules. We'll do it when we do the uh, the show. And yeah. There's uh, lots of podcasts out there, guys, if you want to hear the rules for the Ebon Kashyyyk. 
if you're into the hobby, if you're even deigning to listen to us, you must be into the hobby. Uh, and undoubtedly, you've either got the book or you've got sight of the rules. Um, so you don't need our take on it. We'd be wrong anyway. So you're better yeah. off not having our take. Although we do a show on the White Scars. I'm pretty sure that that's coming up. They do look fantastic, uh, though. The colour scheme and everything, I really like them. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan. I do like the, the models. I like... The white scar has always intrigued me. Um, I'm not brave enough to paint a white army. I'd love to do a white scar's army, to be honest. Yeah. Or... But the the it's just painting seas of white. That's why I've never done a World Eater Force either. It's hard enough on your ultramarines to paint some white colouring. Uh, it's one of the more difficult colours to, to do and make look right. So Some beautiful white scar's armies out there, and I highly commend anyone to go and look at... Uh, Macca, the Australian, uh, he's done a White Scars Force. It's, you know, you can find him on the Outer Circle uh, Instagram page. I'm not saying listen to his show or YouTube if you're sensitive. Um, I like the show. But uh, his modelling, his painting of the White Scars is, is excellent. There are other really good armies out there. Um, these, Eben Keshi in black, I can paint black. I've got Just Aaron. I've got... Is it, is it called a Chaos Black Spray by any chance? Is that absolutely? That's all you need, and then a pencil to do the highlighting. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, so yeah, no, they're good models. I like them. We've got the uh, the Knight, the Acastus Knight for Firen. That's come out as well. It's been released. Rules have dropped for that. Yeah. So which uh, one would you choose out of the two? Um, I. Oh, I don't know. Probably to... the first one, rather than this one. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm thinking the same, to be honest. So this is a <clears throat> very uh, Mechanicum flavored. So it's a Mechanicum Night House rather than a Imperial Night House mm. uh, type of um, harness. So because of that, I think I'd go for the first type, which is. A bit more generic night household than I've, I think I just like the looks how it's more of a more compact whereas these the conversion beamers are a bit dangly and I, it's not saying it's bad I just I, I just really like the uh, the first one to be honest yeah although to, so, be, to be fair if I was going if I was going to spend that much money I'd probably just buy Warhound instead because I love Warhounds. I think they, they look fantastic. Yeah. Well, they are very good models. And uh, the Chaos one's out as well. So if you want to do a traitor version, nah, you could. Right. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, so they were the, I think they've been the biggest releases since we've not had a recording <laughs> in yeah, terms yeah. of the heresy, in terms of models. There's a lot of cool Forge World releases have happened in the intervening time for Necromunda, for uh, Lord of the Rings, and, and a bit of Blood Bowl. So... Check them out if you're a fan of those hobby systems. I'm a massive fan of Necromunda. Uh, in fact, one of the things that I'll get to is the planning that's going on between me and a friend for a um, a campaign set on the world of Absalom's Monument that's going to involve Necromunda rules. It's going to be an um, insurrection on the planet trying to turn it for Horus. Um, I'm looking forward to that, but we can talk about that maybe another show. Um, also out of the paints the new contrast paints are finally here um, 
I'm not going to talk about any of the controversies that have been about stocks and all that sort of thing that I've read online. I think they're great paints. Have you tried them, guys? Have you seen anything I've, about them? I've seen a lot of uh, positive reviews on them. You know, I saw them at uh, Warhammer Fest. Will I use them? I'm sure I'll lose, use them at some point, but I'm not going to change my painting style to accommodate them. But, yeah, I just think I think it's brilliant. Another another added weapon so to speak to the uh to the hobbies yeah some people use them a lot lot more than others and i think i mean i saw uh golden demon demon winners using them so you know <laughs> let's let's face facts who are we to uh say anything negative about them when they're raving about them so yeah i mean there's lots of really cool videos online on youtube showing you how to use them yeah. both from warhammer community <clears throat> but also pro painters and commission painters and whatnot i really like them i think it's a a welcome addition to the hobby arsenal one thing i did see on twitter about them actually uh is i'm probably going to get this wrong now is i think one of the guys at games workshop i think it's chelmsford he did a uh, <clears throat> the chart, yeah, of all the bases, mm-hmm. and yeah. I thought that was brilliant because one color I struggle with is a, I like snow bases, and it's mm-hmm. always hard getting that look that's not just white, so it looks like you haven't painted it, but that kind of bluey, you know, icy uh, snow. I absolutely know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, and he's done a brilliant chart, and I saw that, and I thought. There's definitely one contrast paint I'm probably going to be buying. And uh, there was some some of the colours that you wouldn't look at how he went from two different paints and to produce his third colour was just, you know, you, you thought, I saw one that was brilliant for uh, Sons of Horus and he w- mm. wasn't even anywhere near their colour. No. Speaking of Sons of Horus, that's one of the, uh, that paints back out. Sons of mm. Horus paint. Yeah. Find so, it on you find it on the Games Workshop site. Two pound seventy five for a pot if you're in the UK. I'm stocking up. It will mean I'll need to repaint half my Sons of Horus force <laughs> 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 to be a bit more accurate to the color scheme. But hey, these are the problems you face. Um, on contrast paints, I think they're very luminous looking whenever i've seen a model painted them which i think lends itself well to organic models so flesh tones um i've seen some really cool orc armies using them and yeah. squig hoppers and all that kind of stuff painted up um i think it really suits that the more militaristic colors or flat matte armors and whatnot i don't think it, it personally i don't think it has the same effect as using uh, a traditional sort of base layer system i think for horde but, armies why, oh yeah, why wouldn't you yeah. buy them yeah you know if you've it. got lizard men or trinids or skaven or whatever not that you're going to be playing heresy with them but you know <laughs> I, yeah there's probably going to be some demon armies where you could just have you know that's it loads of them and, yeah and anything that gets people gaz painting their armies why would you want to do that it's like stocks and shares you've got to keep them and slowly the forge bold prices will go up yeah but the thing is mate you're never gonna part with them hey i almost brought a thunderbolt to that uh yesterday and i'm resisted so 
Wow. Yeah. So that's that's a new man, and I tell you, I did take a lot of inner strength in the fact that I'd already written the message out saying, "Yeah, I'll buy it," and then I had to slowly delete that message. Broke me. <laughs> it's it's a good thing, mate. You've got a little one on the way. Mm. Yeah, great. <laughs> so, but back to the, uh, the the paint system. To me, it looks really good, and. Anything that gets people painting, gets hobbyists, hobbying, I'm all in favour for. Can you get paints that do similar things, making them yourself or different places online, etc.? Of course you can, just like you can get different paints. You don't have to buy the GW Citadel paint line at all. There's plenty of other companies out there, Vallejo, Army Painter, um, P3, all these type of paint companies, if you want different systems. I find it easy to use, I use a mixture of paints from everywhere, but I find it easy if I'm in a shop buying some GW stuff to just buy the GW paints and this new contrast system. I'm eager to try it out. I'm eager to try the flesh tones. I'm eager to try um, some of the other colors and see what they're like. I think it's a really good welcome addition to, to the hobby. Long may it continue. And GW once again have made masses of profit. Probably you buying loads of, Forge Wheels kits, mate. That's what I'll be. Yeah, well, I haven't brought anything for a while, to be honest. I've been, I have been a good boy. Oh, well, actually, I've, no, I've brought Blood Angel Leviathan for the other day. So yeah, Another no. Leviathan? Yeah, so there's uh, two uh, There's two Blood Angel ones, and I think I've got three normal ones now, so I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to do a uh, Fury of the Ancients <laughs> list, <laughs> list, you know. Absolutely. So, okay. I mean, that I guess that takes us into what we've been up to. So, yeah, what so, have we been up to, guys? Well, I've been watching. Uh, I've been going around Japan watching hentai porn. I mean, uh, yeah, just exploring Japan. <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah, so to be just been reading the books because, like I said, it's been travelling. Yeah, going on twelve-hour uh, flights with, in because they chucked us on a Boeing seven seven seven, which are awful when you. When you're used to air buses now, that that <laughs> thing just shakes constantly. So I'm just, I was just thinking, I've got to finish Solar War before this falls out the sky. So uh, <laughs> I managed managed to finish Solar War and then uh, read the Primark book, uh, Jagadaya's Primark book, which was great as well. So pretty much that's. Yeah. I did have a game yesterday against Iron Warriors. Okay. Uh, that was a great game. I've signed up for. Did you win? Yes, I don't know how though. To be honest, <laughs> what was the mission? It was uh, domination, and <laughs> the setup was ambush. So I had, we had a load of terrain. So what, I don't know who, who had put this table out, but it was just a massive fortress, and there was terrain here, there, and everywhere. Were you the defender? No, I was the attacker. Oh, really? Yeah, I chose the attacker because I thought it made more sense, really. Did you run Descent of Angels or uh, Day of Revelation? Yeah, as always. Yeah. I, to be <laughs> fair, though, I did choose a totally different list. Uh, so I just picked... I had Seekers in there, which I've not really used too much of. I put Ball Predator in there, which I don't think I've ever used for uh, a Heresy so far. 
Mm. So it was quite interesting. Ball Predator didn't do too much, to be honest. He's first, I think the first turn he penetrated twice with five last cannons, both blew two weapons off, so I only had a heavy bolter on it with one whole point driving around <laughs> for the rest of the game. <laughs> so... Uh, how how were the seekers? You you've been talking about trying to run them for a while now. How did how were they? Yeah, uh, I don't think I used them quite to their strength. I, purely because we he was set up in the middle. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't really use the outflank rule. I probably deployed them slightly wrong as well. So yeah, but they were very deadly. I mean, once again, I did that. Uh, used their chose what ammunition they. They use and it's there are a lot of points, but against the right units, they did cut through quite a lot of his uh, men, admittedly, especially when mm. you know, strength five AP2. Uh, yeah, you can't knock that, can you? Nah, it's I mean, he he started rolling saves. I was like, Oh, if you got if you got a puffer carry or something in there, and he's like, No, 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 just my armor saves. I was like, It's AP2, mate. He's <laughs> like, Bloody hell, I didn't realize that. I said, Yeah, I says, You. Because you, unless you play Alpha Legion, you don't really see him too much, do you? No, no, you don't. So I used the. Uh, we both made a, a load of mistakes uh, through the game. I used my Crimson Paladins, but they came on and some like turn four or something, so they had one turn of doing something. Uh, You're not having much luck with these Crimson oh, no. Paladins at all, are you? They always come on way too late. I mean, to be honest, they didn't scatter, so that was a good thing. I was thinking, because I had to de- deploy them well out in the sticks, because there was only one squad remaining. Mm. I killed loads. But, yeah, he, they didn't have... They killed the squad, and they did a good job of it. But, yeah, they, when you consider the points difference between that squad and, uh, you know, what they cost, it's... But it, that, that game was more about experimentation... The guy I was playing, his Iron Warriors, he had loads of uh, boarding marines. And he, he was thinking, he says, I'm, I like trying these different things out. He kept charging me. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, yeah, I don't want you to have your uh, plus one initiative. I was getting charged constantly. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, they get, they. so yeah, you still get your plus one initiative, but they count as defensive nah. grenades, don't they? The um, oh yeah, if I charge, him, I mean to be honest, he, he charged uh, he charged my crimson paladins with his border marines because yeah. he had two squads of them, and uh, he charged them. And to be honest, as soon as he did it, and we started fighting, he says, "I don't know why I've done that." He says, "I've got defensive grenades." He says, "I yeah. I have no idea why I did that." He says, "I should just." shot you and let you charge me and then overwatched you as well yeah. you know and it, we made a few mistakes like you know there was one or two that i did uh moving marines in certain places which i probably shouldn't have it was a fun game because it was you got points for holding the objectives he he was racking up points constantly and uh, i kept saying to him oh, you've won this i says i'm i'm not capturing objectives i'm just going to kill you as much as i can and, uh, is that the one where he gets two points for every time you're not in his deployment? No, no you have five objectives placed uh-huh. around the board, 
And if you control them at the start of your next turn, you get one victory point. Right. Yeah. That's okay. So uh, he says, "How do you want to put? The, how do you want to put these? Because you can't have them in your deployment zone." I says, "Let's just chuck them in the quarters." So mm. you know, there was one in the centre of each quarter, made it much easier for us. Uh, yeah. And then yeah, he was racking up points, but he had a herald. So I killed that, and straight away that was two victory points for me for his warlord and herald and stuff. And then at the end of the turn, because I'd killed so much of his army, I was losing by one victory point. You get an extra D3 because you've won uh, killed more. So I got two extra victory points and ended up winning. So nice pulling out the big W there. Yeah, guys. well, to to be honest though, it was just a it was a fun game because like I said, it was more sampling of certain things i think the ball predator it didn't do, it did fuck all to be honest <laughs> probably my xiphon was the uh choice because he had a land raider and i was like i can never take these out and xiphon fr flew on and caused three hull points on the first <laughs> first round of shooting <laughs> and then next then he shot it i was like yeah i'm gonna have to jinx so I needed sixes, and he still managed to blow me up. I was like, bloody hell. <laughs> I always give my Siphon shit, but he's one of the... He always does a good job. I like Siphons, although I, I always give a, a shit. I need to get your tail for your Siphon, don't I? Yeah. It's, it's only got one ring at the moment as well. It's broken the case. <laughs> and uh, I took it out. You mean, oh, what's happened? I was like, oh, no. Nah. And then I thought, I said to him, I said, although... I think I remember playing just before I went to Japan and he only had one wing, so I says I needed to repair it, so that's going to have to be repaired at some point. Yeah. but that, That's quite... It's interesting. So you played Iron Warriors. I cracked out the boys in blue. The glory 13th took to the table for the first time in a long time. Um, and again, my opponent was a, an Iron Warriors player. Uh, I didn't take my Formentaris this time. That are part of the list. I've got a couple of lists that I can run. I've pretty much got every type of unit. But um, but he had his Tyrants, each Terminators. Um, he had a load of Volkite, mate. Uh, so yeah, I, I, me <laughs> I mentioned I mentioned you to the bloke. Uh, I says, don't worry about telling me what weapons you got. I says because I always forget. And I mentioned the game we had. It says he had Volkite everywhere. So I went to charge this unit. He's like, oh yeah, they're all plasma. <laughs> says and that hurt. <laughs> that's a lot <laughs> <laughs> I remember yeah so they, they're clearly marked as plasma they're, I know, they're yeah. plasma guns yeah. made <laughs> I says he weren't a proxy I says I just assumed that because everything else had Volkite I says I didn't those hidden behind a building I thought yeah they'll have Volkite I says and he so, told yeah. me before the game that they were plasma or with yeah. actual plasma guns <laughs> so yeah it's a Having been having run a Sons of Horus list that is Volkite heavy, going back to my my Ultramarines, which are a, a proper bolter loving Marines. Yeah, it, it hurts being on the other side, <laughs> especially the heavy Volkites. Um, and he, he also had he had Havoc squads with uh, was it like this? Was he called it a Sun Fury, whatever? Well, yeah, they get they. Uh... Rerolls and stuff like that. Oh, so, yeah, but they were all las cannon as well. So yeah, my yeah, yeah. Like, so, some like I think he is, is he ballistic skill five, oh, yeah, and then yeah. rerolls or something, and so, tank hunter as well, and then yeah. So but managed to so I I ran a list 
you know, Rhino 10-man squads, Rhino 10-man squads, Rhino 10-man squads, etc. And used all the, the Ultramarine tactics, the Legion tactics, and uh, they are so cool. Uh, fallen madly in love again, if I ever fell out of love with my Ultramarines and, and the ability to uh, just, you know, essentially mark a light on your, <laughs> your opponent and bring to bear fire and then charge in and allow so I charged one of his squads with some attack marines and then that allowed me to ensure I essentially got my Lock Guitarist Storm Squad in because um, they copped all the overwatch on their way in and then you can uh, sort of, uh, you're able to roll to be able to get into combat properly it's, it's they're just so good um, it's a tight game there wasn't a lot left at the end uh, Perturabo and Gilliman were on the table which was cool. He didn't. He was trying not to get into a Primark fight, but we got into a Primark fight um, on turn four. Uh, but the game finished. At neither side, neither of us killed each other. However, he was down to one wound, uh, and I still had three wounds. Oh. So I think we. I was going to win. And obviously, Gilliman had been getting better as the fight had gone on. Um, so, yeah. But man, it was a good game. It was good to play. Uh, what else have I been up to? So I've been working on my black shields. Nice. They're coming for your. They're coming for your blood angels, mate. They're all the bases. I painted all the bases to be a blood angel strike cruiser that they've boarded. <laughs> so um, yeah, I can't wait to show you when they're done. Um, they're, all the all the marines are built, ready to go on the bases once I've painted them. I'm struggling with some color schemes. I've got a number of ideas. One of which is a kind of Brass armor with loads of verdigris, so because they ain't looking after themselves, let's put it that way. But I've also got some ideas of like orange marines, you know. Okay. So, uh, yeah, um, so I, I'm torn. What you should do is paint one of each and then put them yeah. up on Twitter and see, let people. That's a good idea. That's a good decide. idea. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, using loads of Goliath bits from the Necromunda range. So they're all proper cyberpunky guys and you know the Xenotech weapons, the stub cannons and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. It's uh one of the guys when we was playing our uh, game was playing demons and uh I I heard a few oh fuck's sake. <laughs> so I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd I didn't get a chance to see uh so the one that because we all know each other there. Uh, I think they had some crazy, crazy rules going on over there. So I've, I'm really looking forward to seeing how they, yeah. how they get on there. Obviously, I've been away for a while. So they've been, I think he's been just playing nothing but demons. And I think as the time's gone, it's just it's just getting more, men, more and more mental. So... Yeah, honing the army and, and learning the skills and yeah, he had some. I was a little bit away, so probably about ten foot away. But he had some right weird uh, models to represent his demons, but not G, not GW ones. I don't know, or if they were, I don't know what they were because so I couldn't quite see them. But I was thinking, well, I wonder what that was. But it looked, it looked really good. So I'm going to have to have a little look more about his demons. But he, he says he's been having real fun playing them. Yeah. Yeah, I've not actually since since 
book came out, I haven't played Demons. We've discussed them, we've talked about them. I haven't actually played against them. You should come uh, down to the uh, tournament in uh, Boards and Brum. Yeah, is it Wolves? Yeah. Yeah, it's only a day, three games. Uh, he's still deciding how exactly, because we were talking about how he's going to run, he's still deciding exactly how it's going to be. But because he said so it's only 2,000 points, and mm. he says you can bring Primarchs. But you also have to bring a different list. So he says, if you bring Primarchs, and he says, and you want to use a Primarch, he says, I'll put you up against another someone else who's brought a Primarch. <clears throat> okay. He says, but unless someone says, yeah, I don't mind playing Primarchs, he says, I'm just going to have you against, uh, you know, you're going to either have to use your normal army or. Mm. He said, because to be fair, 2,000 points is a bit low for having Primarchs, isn't it, really? You know, I know you can run. Uh, prime mark right of war but 2500 you normally got people normally got things to deal with them 2000 points can be a bit brutal with yeah prime marks. yeah oh yeah absolutely yeah that extra 500 points yeah. allows you to fit in quite a lot of stuff quite a big loads of big guns or elite units that you know yeah swarm up swarm them with terminators with power fists that yeah. normally it's or a good it, way of taking a couple of wounds off a Primark. It can even be, you, you can just dedicate, right, if I come up against a Primark, I know this par- portion of my army will die. But mm-hmm. this yeah, portion, absolutely. I will go after and, you know, complete the mission. That's um, it, play the tactical game. Yeah, I mean, to yeah. be honest, when I when I used to go to war, I'm a world with, way before Book Ace, that's, that was always my philosophy. I knew I'd come across the, uh, Primarchs. I had nothing to deal with with them so i just used to choose the rest of their army and there's so many times he'd just have a primark just running around by himself yeah. and especially being as fast as i am I, I just used to just move things away every so often feed him a sacrificial unit and or something and that would be it yeah the, there's plenty to deal with them but you need the points level to yeah. to have the, and, plenty to deal with them Two thousand points, you don't have too much, really. Yeah, I'm so, not saying it can't be done. Obviously, it can, uh, yeah. but you know, normally you go and have to tailor your list a, a little bit. Yeah. So, are you still working on your solar rocks for the Zomortalis Force? Are you? Yep, that's that's going to be. I'm going to hit that massively now. I'm back. In fact, no, that's a bit of a lie because we've just sold our house. So, <laughs> so uh, I've been looking forward to starting them, but yeah, I will. I will be dedicating a bit of time each day now to, even even when we're moving, I'm just going to have a, just a few and just try concentrate and just doing a man at a time or something like that. The Iron Warrior p- player that I played yesterday, he's got a big solar auxiliary army, and uh, he has great fun with it. You know, yeah. he says it's a pain in the arse to paint. Says it's even worse to buy, uh, but you know he says a lot. Well, you, you you got the new contrast paints, mate. You can use them. Well, exactly. Army. We go. You, well, we yeah. find, to be fair, we've only just finally decided a color scheme, haven't we? We've, we've we struggled. <laughs> well, I struggled with having a color scheme before, so. So yeah, so so my little black shield Zomortalis force is coming on. Well, I've nearly finished that night that for my house born her. Nearly finished it, but I've been so busy at work and I've been trying to get some Necromunda guys painted up, both for a Necromunda game and then this 
campaign that a couple of us at work are going to do, which is, um, so the idea is we are gangs trying to take over a hive. Some are loyalist gangs. Some are um, obviously trying to turn it for Horace's purposes. So it'll be a couple of games, normal games, and then we'll start introducing um, some uh, one or two sort of scout models from the Space Marine range because it's uh, heralds have gone out in front of the forces yeah. and are trying to infiltrate and help turn the planets. And then eventually it will lead to a, a proper interplanetary campaign that we're doing, um, revisiting Absalom's monument. So that's I'm looking forward to that. So, yeah, I've got a load of Orlocks painted up at the moment in Sons of Horus colours with eyes of Horus on them and all sorts. <laughs> yeah. Are you... Are you doing that on a Wednesday at Warhammer World, or are you doing it look, just uh, so, locally? So mainly Wednesdays, because I get Wednesday afternoon, I get to cut away early. Um, so some some of the games will be down at Warhammer World, but most of them are uh, in a club near where I'm living. Oh, nice, nice. So, so yeah, so um, I want to get. I've, I've been pulled by Necromunda, so I'm trying to combine my love of Horus Heresy with my love of the Necromunda game. Yeah. Uh, and that's a way of doing it. My my actual Necromunda gang at the moment is a Gene Stealer cult one, just because there's not many of many people, because they're not in the book as such. It's that PDF download. So, um, And I had the models from that uh, that box set they brought out a while back, the Death Watch Overkill. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I had a load of models, so I made a gang out of that. And uh, But I've got an Escher gang, I've got a Delac gang, um, I've got Goliaths and Orlocks, so uh, yeah. Uh, well, that's what well, kind of what we've been up to. You have to you have to post it uh, on the site so people can see exactly. Yeah, some pictures of it. In there. Yeah, yeah, how your campaign's running and give them my give the community ideas. Yeah. Although, yeah. let's face facts, you'll probably just get a load of abuse. <laughs> oh, always. Why have you done that? <laughs> yeah, it would be a Warhammer campaign or a Warhammer site without use, would it? So, yeah, so that's it. Uh, obviously, we were blessed to go on the I Horus podcast. Yeah, still don't yes. know how that happened. No, I've guest appearance, De- desperation. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, no one around that week. Like, Let's get these guys on. But that was an experience. Really good to be hosted by Tim. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's great. So, big shout out to the I Horus. Thanks yeah. very much, Tim, for bringing us on. I think we had the grand total of two listens because of it. <laughs> well, me and you. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> so, yeah. But, yeah. No, that was fun. We enjoyed that. I don't know. What else have we been up? Not a lot. You've been reading in a way. Yeah, I was been... about to say, I've just been pretty much reading uh, Jagadiah's books. That's really good, to be fair. I, I did enjoy that. There's a lot of there's a lot about the librarians really the uh, you know how they're formed and stuff like that and the before Nikea mm. so it's a lot about Sanguinus and Magnus and them having a talk about exactly how they want librarians to go forward and it's quite a nice insight because they talk the Khan's saying you know he sends his guys to uh, to ball as like before he gets there to sign, scout out what the blood angels are like 
and they said Sanguinus loves the idea but he's also scared you know about what they can and can't do he's, he's, he says mm. he sees the future and believes we need them but he's also he knows it's a double-edged sword mm. and they're going yeah yeah well you know we agree with that and it says so what about Magnus and he says well Magnus he says he's all everything called damn them all <laughs> 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 you know and he really really was I thought he was really good and I've I think he's the flush teammates, re, you know, really well. And he, I, he's definitely one of my favourite Primarchs, Jagadiah. So it's one of that little series of book, the Primark series, is one of my f- favourite sort of series that they've brought out. Yeah. So they're Horus Heresy, clearly because they're about the Primarchs and, and Primarchs now, or Primarchs in the uh, in the Great Crusade uh, and, and into the Heresy. Um, but they they are nice character roundouts, yeah. and I think that that's gonna we're gonna do that as a, a bit of a series of podcasts, aren't we? We're gonna take it in turns about to talk about each Primark. It's it's nice to see how they were before everything went to shit, pretty yeah. much, isn't it? You know, it's, it's and, and really see good. and see the development of why when things go to shit, they yeah. go the way they go. Yeah, that, and that's the the motivating part and the character development that goes into them. Really good series of books. Have you uh, have you read his book, Jagged Eyes? Jack, Jagged Eyes, I can't. Yes, yes, I have. Uh, so I, I bought it at the weekend there. That was it. When was it? Was it this weekend? Or was it one of the ones where it was released, or was it last one? I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, I did like the bit where they're showing him his uh, ship and showing it all off, and he just, at the end, he goes, Yeah, what? Listen to me, this is exactly what I want you to do. Rip it all apart and put bigger <laughs> engines in. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, so there's a spoiler for people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well done, guys. It does, yeah, it doesn't really spoil too much. We all, we all know he's got massive engines because he outruns the uh, Alpha Legion in it, doesn't he? So. Well, in fact, when we talk about, funny enough, we're going to talk about the Solar War and we're going to talk about some... I would imagine, given what we've read, a little bit of White Scars action in there. Yeah. So, yeah. unless you've got anything else to talk about now, what we're going to do, guys, we'll uh, go into the, a quick break. We'll come back with the Solar War, uh, and then we'll wrap up and end the show. Yeah, sounds Nice good. and short and sweet, this one. Not the four-hour one we did. <laughs> Not the four-hour. That's when we get... Uh, when we're joined by that filthy and... Um, disgusting man that is Wes <laughs> I'm sure that one's going to go on for a while Horus musters his armada terror itself the object of his wrath seated upon the golden throne the emperor waits for his wayward son to return but his true enemy is chaos a primordial force that seeks to enslave mankind to its capricious whims the screams of the innocent, the pleas of the righteous resound to the cruel laughter of dark gods. Suffering and damnation await all should the emperor fail and the war be lost. The end is here. The skies darken. Colossal armies gather. For the fate of the throne world 
for the fate of mankind itself. The siege of terror has begun. So guys, Solar War, we are going to talk about the first uh, book in the Siege of Terror um, series. Gaz, you, you've got a copy now? Yep. Really? We've discussed that you took it with you on the plane. You, yeah. Do you have Do you have the... Well, clearly you do, because I got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> special edition, leather-bound Bible, with its lovely little solar brass on the front. And the map in the middle and the first couple of pages of the solar system, the ancient cartography, signed by the author John French himself. That's yeah. the book you've got. Yeah. It, it is a beautiful book. It's lovely, isn't it? Yeah. So for those that were unfortunate and weren't able to get a copy because there was only um, 2,500 of them. Don't uh, worry, because there's someone out there reading each book with a, one finger at a time. Ordered ten yeah. and thinking, oh yeah, I can have one for each finger. But it is a beautiful book. <laughs> the um, the standard version is out now. Uh, they've got a little website dedicated to the Solar War as well. And the, if you go onto Games Workshop, type in Solar War or Siege of Terror, even there's a little site for it. Um, the book is the book itself and the story is fantastic. We're going to talk about that. But the special edition one is a beautiful, beautiful book. Um, I hope they do a. I hope Warhammer Art, shout out to them, do that uh, solar. The map? Yeah. I oh. really do. I think that's a brilliant map idea. Yeah, so the map itself is. Uh, it says on it, it's herein lies a cartograph of the immortal emperor's hallowed dominion circa 0014 millennium 31, that which is the Imperium and under the encroachment of the arch traitor. Horus, author unknown. And so when you open it up, you have the spheres of defense noted on it. So you've got where the second, so the first sphere command base on Pluto, which is next to the Chaphonic Gate. Um, you then have the second sphere command base on Uranus. No, I said it that way so that I didn't say anus. <laughs> the third sphere on, which is in Jupiter. The fourth sphere command space uh, base which is uh, the force around Mars under Cambodias. I'm sure we'll get to all this part. Uh, and then you've got the inner sphere itself of Terra uh, and Luna, and that's where most of Battlefleet Solar are positioned. The map is absolutely fantastic. It's a, a mix of proper high Gothic styling, proper Warhammer twist, loads of skulls, really um, anachronistic... It's beautiful, anyway. Yeah, it's as strange as it sounds. It's one of my favourite pieces of artwork that has yeah. come out. Yeah, you know, fantastic. we we all love the pictures of Primarchs and stuff like that, but that is definitely up there. Yeah. So there's um there's another number of little images through the book. Uh, so at the beginning, you've got Jubal Khan. So there's the the dramatis personnel uh, as you uh, always get in a uh, Horace Heresy book, but then there's some little little busts. That's the best way of describing it, I would imagine, or I think, not imagine. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jubal Khan of the Fifth Legion, Lord of Summer Lightning, Master of the Hunt. He's one of the characters that have been throughout the stories, isn't he? He's he's <laughs> in the Primarchs book. Uh, he's actually Terran, isn't he? Yeah. 
Uh, Sigismund, little picture of Sigismund. Ezekiel Abaddon and uh, Mercedes Ollerton. Did you say Mercedes Ollerton? Mercedes? She's Maybe. the uh, Luna. Uh, Luna. She's the remember, sir, that was, yeah. The, oh, yes, yeah, sorry. Was... She's the one that uh, Logan had a crush on. Yeah. <laughs> or did he? I don't know. I think the less said about her was. Well, we'll talk about it because yeah. clearly the four of them, they've, they've got those four people as pictures uh, at the start of the book. And they're quite pivotal characters as we read it, as we go through. Um, there's also uh, a number of sketches, as you get in a lot of the Black Library books now. So a little colour plate of... Um, so one picture of Dawn doing something. There's pictures of... Uh, in fact, is there any others? I can't remember. There are, I'm pretty sure. There's Araman doing what Araman's getting up to. Yeah, there's, there's all these little... Dawn's later on or now. Yeah, we'll come to that in a minute. Um, and then at the back, there are some colour pictures of what looks to me to be Rogel Dawn out of armour and uh, Perturabo out of armour. Is that how you see those pictures, mate? I'm just going to have a quick look because I'm curious to know if you've got them in the normal book so i've got uh i downloaded it on kindle okay so i'm just going to have a quick look at right at the back to see if you get any drawings on the kindle version and it doesn't look like you do no it's a page it'd be page uh 397 no i don't think you get any of them that's a shame yeah it, it is a big because it can't be too bad chuck that i know they say oh it's a special edition and stuff but <clears throat> yeah well that's what you're paying for but uh, pictures are really cool yeah so i i'm pretty sure that's the two primarchs sort of in undress without their um armor on especially when you see <laughs> what i think is quite funny you've got the pictures mirror each other so one's dawn and he's He's got a tiny hammer in his hand, like a little craftsman's hammer, which looks to be like a normal lump hammer for a normal human. And then you have Perturabo with Ferris Manassi's big hammer, I'm assuming. So, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, but the story, Gaz, do you want to start? Where are we in the story when this begins? So if you just brought this book, then for some reason you've got... I don't know, you haven't got up to date on reading the Horace Heresy books. One you have to really read beforehand is uh, Heralds of the Siege. I think that's an important prequel to this book. You know, I would say there's a, there's, we all know there's books you you can probably read out of order or, or whatever, but I would say definitely read Heralds because there's a few little... It's just loads of short stories and i think a few of them give an idea of just before everything happens you know exactly the quiet before the storm and exactly what's going on i mean i think it's it's interesting that uh everyone says oh well, why didn't the emperor do this why didn't the emperor do that why didn't they move uh from earth but it tells you 
the warp stops any communication out from Earth and any movement out from the solar system, so they would never have been able to do it. Mm. You know, it, it's the warp is screaming. Here comes our champion, isn't he? And that it starts off with a nice little scene, kind <clears throat> of. How would you explain it? Not really. It's more of a primitive scene, isn't it? A uh, so it's it. Yeah, it's kind of what. Not it's caveman. It, is, yeah, but... it's kind. It's kind of. It's in a cave, isn't it? <laughs> no, that's a bit later on. He's is yeah. it's night. He's he's just a little man uh, with a fire holding back the darkness and the howls in the night. You know, it's, if you ever watch any of these vampire stories or whatever <laughs> horror stories in bygone age, it's always has something like this in, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's about, it's just a representation of, I suppose, the different planes that the uh, warp and the emperor are fighting. Yeah, it's a wolf approaches, doesn't it? Yeah. So there's an old man sat on a dusty on a on a chair on a dusty plinth, uh, and in the darkness, this wolf emerges, saying, "Father." <laughs> yeah. So it and it is. It's a it's. Horus and the Emperor on the spiritual plane, and it, communicating. It gives you that idea of if you read the after notes, the author explains it really well. The the horror. Mm-hmm. I'm going off. Obviously, I can't explain it as well as what he does because <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think he did. It's a really nice start to the book. I really like how, and I. Mm-hmm. There's a few uh, they visit that kind of scenes a few times, and I think really, it's a really nice idea. Yeah. So that yeah, so that's that's the the first little vignette to start the piece, uh, and the two of them are so essentially, the wolf is saying, um, "I've returned. I'm coming for you," and the emperor is saying, "I deny you." Yeah. Uh, at him, but then we move into zero hour um and it's new year's day it's the on the first of primus the sirens rang out so it's new year's day of the 14th year of millennium 31 uh so that's when the the traitors strike so this book is how the traitor fleets make it into the system so for seven is it seven years i think it is isn't it yeah or a little bit longer They've That's been... how long they always used to say, but so, I'm not. I can't remember if yeah. they have actually pinpointed down and says, "Yeah, it was definitely seven years." I know. So, yeah. So, however long it's been, yeah. Rogel Dawn and the weight of the uh, of Imperial forces have reinforced the solar system and turned it into um, the most heavily defended world system of worlds within the Imperium. Um, and this story is how how they break in, how they yeah. launch the attack, and how what how we get to the 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 part of the story that we all know about, which will be Horus and and the Emperor confronting each other on the on the battle barge, the Vengeful Spirit. But this book isn't about that part. This is the first book explaining how the traitors make it into the system, 
against this heavily defended bulwark planet. Yeah, pretty and much my... how, how they got from outer solar system to the orbit of Earth. Yeah. You know, and it's no, it, they don't land on Earth in the book at all. It's all no. just the routing. Yeah, precisely. And it's so you've got the two sides. So you're at the book, just like most Black Library, flicks between the perspective of several characters, some known characters, some people that have been created that were in Heralds of the Siege that you heard, so the, the fleet mistress, etc. Um, and some that are kind of newish to the story or being fleshed out more. Um, but yeah, you follow the perspectives of different people. Um, and it starts with the outer system so you've got the the fourth sphere i think it is yep controlled by sigismund controlled by sigismund now sigismund and sigismund is the first captain of the imperial fists but most people listen to this will know that him and dawn have had a big fallout a secret fallout um which is well explained as well on in that book a little bit more flushed out than because we we all know because he he chose to stay in the solar system instead of going uh with uh Follux, didn't they yeah so when um so when garrow uh fled, fled the isvan system and got captured by the imperial flips because that's what happened he gets captured uh instead of rescued um and is brought before dawn dawn uh learns about the, his brother's treachery and sends retribution fleet to go in uh, try and smack Horus around the head whilst he went back to Terra to tell uh, the Emperor. And Sigismund should have led the fleet, but Sigismund, because of stuff that happened, doesn't. And it's all to do with uh, Keela, and who's a prophetess. Is that the best way of explaining well, them? They all call her a saint, don't they? Yeah. So, but she. Um, She's, she believes in the Emperor as a god because of what she's seen on in the Isfan system and essentially convinces Sigismund that that's the case or that there's something more going on. I, I wouldn't say that he definitely believes in the Emperor in that sense at that point. But he returns with, returns with Dawn and then tells Dawn what she told him, which was she had to be there with, or he had to be there with Dawn. And Dawn and him had the big argument over it. See, I thought, but I could be totally wrong here, the Dawn sends him with the Retribution Fleet and he kind of hides and doesn't go. Yeah. And then turns up uh, in front of Dawn and he's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And he says, well, you know that saint? Well, she had this vision and she says, "I, I should stay with you. And he's like, so you betrayed me. Yeah. And to be fair... Because she had a vision of him dead in space, didn't it? Didn't she? That's with, right. Yeah. With it, if he would have gone, uh, which is what would have happened, because you know, when the Iron Warriors intercepted the Imperial Fists, uh, they'd already, for like said, trained them all how to uh, how to fight, and exactly, yeah. you know, that's what stopped. That's what well, Alexis him, Pollux. Really. Yeah. Alexis Pollux wasn't the actual guy in charge, was he? Yeah, he was a nobody. He, he yeah. the fleet didn't even really like him, but you know, well, he become well, a hero after that, didn't he? After essentially, well, he was marked. He was marked as someone that was 
rising in the chapter or within the legion sorry but uh yeah but anyway that we're, we're yeah. getting way yeah, off track way off Sigismund track. is in charge of that front sphere and so that's where the first of the enemy fleets start coming out of the warp kind of a death duty really isn't it yeah and it's very much seen that way and Sigismund sees it that way he yeah. sees it I need to atone for my for the failings and the fact that the uh, my Primarch no longer trusts me properly so the battle around Pluto, mate. Fuck me. It's brilliant, isn't it? So yeah, it's it's led by right, Horus if... Axeman and and our, what was the Iron Warrior's name? Can you remember? Was it Murtak or something like that? Yeah, it's. Uh, but, tell you, it, if you if you're listening to this and you haven't read the book, really, go and read the book because we're going we're going to ruin one of the best bits in the book. Cause yeah, it, I think the the battle around Pluto is. To be honest, this probably is the best part of the book, you know, and I'm not saying that negatively about any of the other book. It's just absolutely fantastic. So basically yeah. that when the uh they send all the normal human ships first because they know they will all be the first to die. So coming through the war put obviously the first ships the land just get blown to smithereens but because there's so many coming one start to get through and then you know get to the spheres and able to attack in these further along in the lines is basically men that have just well from conquered worlds where they just took the young and planted them with gene seed they don't care if you survive or not they've just every legion has just chucked all the youths with gene seeds. If you survive, brilliant. You're you're on this death mission as well. Yeah. So these these space marines have known nothing other than the first battle is the siege of Terra Forum. Uh, mate. It, so yeah, it's brilliant. So Sigismund's on the bat, on his battle barge with with Ran, um, who's one of the captains. I mean, they become what the executioner's chapter yeah. later. He's he must be his name after him, but yeah, the tens and then hundreds of ships start pouring through an eruption in in real space from the warp, and it's as you say, none of them are Legion Astarte ships. These are all just normal ships. They come through, and essentially, uh, the the um, the Imperial fish ships open up with everything they've got at this warp rent and they're destroying hundreds of ships yeah, you got that appear. All the defences on the Pluto's moons. On Pluto's gun know. planets and the mines that they've placed around because they know the they know the sort of warp gates is only certain places where you can safely jump into the system. So they just engage everything. There's dreadful torpedoes and there's all sorts going at them. And then the first sort of uh, Astartes... Um, battle barge comes pouring out of the gate, all its guns firing, and but that doesn't last long. And the ship after ship comes through, but eventually there's just so much coming out that the these large ships are able to to spill into real space. And as you say, they start forcing their way towards the planets. Now on board are uh, some some new legions of Astartes. Yeah, so Is that the best way of doing it, explaining yeah, it's, it. It's like it says before, it's just every conquered world or world that's declared Ooh. for Horus, they've took any, yeah. anyone 
of the angel will age to be an Astartes implanted them if you live great if you don't oh well they don't you know there's no they don't give a shit so if you can imagine you know a hive world how many mm. kids that would have had even if only one percent survive you know how many <coughs> you're talking millions of extra marines straight away yeah they're, they're definitely um been boosted the numbers have been massively boosted it, by this process yeah it's it's a great way to see why why you know there seems like an endless supply in the 40k universe essentially yeah. it's because you it was always one of them things for thinking well surely that you know that slowly started dying out but when you hear how many marines that they employed here that you, mm. you suddenly think, well, hang on a minute. Yeah, I can understand. I mean, there's this whole... I think there's one part where they just use uh, chips, which normally cargo grain, and just fill them with drug-crazed uh, psychopaths. Yeah, uh, not they're not Astartes. They're just yeah, they're nutters. Just, yeah, just... It's just they, prison world and all that that they've emptied into. They pull them all to sleep with gas. They wake them yeah. all up. They're all drugged up. They go out. They dis- I mean, it, it lands on one of the uh, platforms down there. And it, it yeah. says it resisted all all attacks. And then it resisted these for six hours. And then to uh, get rid of them, the Iron Warriors just opened it all to the void and just <laughs> blasted them all out of the void. Oh, it's, it's brilliant. But then the... yeah. So one part that did kind of confuse me about this. So the loyalists all talk about how they know Horus has to get this done quickly because the Ultramarines are coming and presumably other loyalist forces that have bolstered onto the back of this. I did so, think that was a bit, because all they do is go, oh, the Ultramarines are coming. And I thought, if I, was a, if I was another Legion, I'd be thinking, fuck's sake, what about us? Yeah, so the Ultramarines must be back to almost full strength at this point yeah to be considering the forces that horus is bringing into the fight so yeah it, it didn't necessarily sit 100 percent with me that the when you hear the sizes and the fact that they've been reinforcing their, their their legions with all these brand new inductees and all that kind of stuff you kind of think well why would you be worried about the 13th legion when you've got nine legions that are all at full strength and, and bigger yeah i've now? I think uh, it does talk about at the start that Horus is on a time scale, though. He, yeah. he knows he has to do it by a certain point because they talk about the alignment of the planets. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, so there's more more at play. Yeah, got, and the, yeah. there's a there's a lot there's a lot of things which, especially in the 40k universe, would get overlooked or people go, well, why did they, this? And he does slowly explain why certain things had to be done in the order they were. Yeah. Moving on, probably so, the yeah. best part of. Well, whilst the book. yeah, so whilst that, so we'll, we'll get to that bit in a second because that fleet's come in, but then there's a second fleet jumps in at Uranus, isn't there? Yes, because there's under Perturabo himself. Yes, there's two gates that they talk about. So mm-hmm. most warp jumps have to arrive out system and then slowly travel in but because this is the heart of humanity uh, yeah. they have two gates which i mean i must admit i just kept thinking of uh, the age of sigmar gate i did <laughs> so uh there's one 
a Pluto and one at Uranus. And these mm-hmm. these give uh, ships the ability to jump much cl- much further in system. You know, yeah. saving days, it, it's an extra safe part of warp. Yeah, essentially it saves a couple of months, doesn't it? But yeah. that's where... So at this gate, you know, that this is where Perturabo himself leads essentially leads the assault. Yep. Although he's not the first ship through that again it's they plug the they, they throw the crap ships through first to yep. soak up the um, the the firepower. But then they, they get the space hulks essentially, isn't it? Yeah. These huge asteroids. They're so big that they they can't even be powered themselves. They're being pushed and pulled by like, other battle barges. Yeah, tugboats and stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> to bring them through and they're just rammed with guns and they just come through firing and blowing everything out the I, way. I quite like the Imperial Fist uh, captain, and he's like, well, this is unexpected, but it doesn't change <laughs> yeah. anything, and he just carries on. Oh, for they, yeah. I thought he's quite so, cool. So the three fleets are inside the system, and what you see is uh, Perturabo and Forex on one of his battle barges. They have a conversation about this seems a little bit too easy, don't they? Yeah, because uh, we all know the Alpha Legion have supplied the information of what they've gathered uh through the soul system and everything's just running to plan and we all know even in games nothing ever runs to plan yeah exactly and then <clears throat> so the the sons of horus and iron warriors fleet at pluto they've been pushing back the imperial fists and it gets to a point where sigismund orders the retreat of the fist fleet because the landings are happening all over pluto and pluto's moons aren't they yeah and um they even talk about this. Why are they retreating? You know, we would thought they'd have fought harder, mm. but because without uh, the fleets, they can't manoeuvre armies. That's why they believe they they say uh, turning tail. Then they say they. Can, we all know armies need to manoeuvre. Yeah. So without with the loss of the fleets, it would limit uh, the forces of the emperor so they believe they're just trying to save as many ships as they can so they can still harass yeah Horus's forces yeah exactly so you have the it's quite interesting so the, what, it, on the bridge you have Perturabo and, and his first captain I think it's his first captain isn't it Forex yeah, yeah. talking um uh, you know, he says, so far, each of the strategic projectors has held true. The intelligence from the 20th Legion has proven accurate, and where tactical agility, reality is different, it's predictably so. The moving of main forces from Neptune to Uranus, the lacing of the Platonic Gulf with additional munitions, all of this is within a narrow band of ca- cautiousness. We progress as intended, and they respond as predicted. Everything is as predicted. Forex says, you mean that there's something wrong with a plan that's executed as intended? And then Perturabo waits for a while, he thinks about stuff and says it should not be so clean. The defenders fight hard and make us pay, but they do nothing that we have not anticipated. My brother is many things and his flaws were always hidden by the praise heaped on him. Call him steadfast. That is merely a lack of given to blunt unreason. Loyalty in him is merely a need to belong. An ability is uh, the gilding to base pride but the one thing my brother is not is a fool and then he has a moment he just says continue his plan bring the lost sons through the gate and that's when the more ships come in big landing craft and they crash onto the moon and disgorge thousands of 
thousands and thousands of troops onto these uh, fortress moons around the gates. Yeah, and these are all the troops we said were basically the first, their first ever battle. Yeah, now the they, newborn. Yeah. yeah. And they do well. They drive in. They, they you know, it's a bloodbath. There's... There, there is a moment where it does show how new they are, though, when that woman actually, there's just a normal woman officer, and she actually beats one of them in hand-to-hand combat, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. And he, he knows he's faster, more powerful, but because she's had years and years of training, she's got more fluidness, kind of yeah. like maybe how Eldar are, really, in a way. It's more graceful, and uh, yeah, she kicks his ass. <laughs> <laughs> But it gets to the point where um, they're clearly winning. They're going to take over the moons. And then that's when probably one of the greatest bits. Uh, in the Horus Heresy, to be in honest. In the Horus I Heresy, think. I think, so yeah. far. Yeah, it definitely takes place. Do you want to go through that, Gaz? Uh, I don't think I'll do as justice as what you will, to be honest. I get too excited. <laughs> so, um, essentially, in all the months and years that they've had to prepare, uh, the defenders have rigged the pla- the planetoid, the moon around Pluto. Yep. They've hidden um, all the uh, equipment in normal ammo supplies, so nothing looks suspicious. And it's one of the things the Mechanicum don't want to do. It. They're, they're yeah. really against this plan. But Dawn says we're doing it, so it gets done. And that's... Uh, they basically turn the moons of Pluto into giant bombs. Yeah. Well, specifically the one that... Uh, they do and then uh just as it looks like the traitors have won and they're taking the planet they detonate the moon so all that technology all them bases are on the moons you know all the ship killing things it just mm-hmm. then turns into a massive asteroids and and then blowing it up it takes out what is it 260 battleships yeah, two, and... i think it was 205 uh ships just straight away blow up and that's just the first moon there's yeah f- the three moons are all the same. The first moon wipes out two hundred and five ships. Yeah, and it's just it's it's, it's so glorious the, <laughs> the way it's written. And I highly recommend it to everyone to go and read it. And just the destruction that is wrought by blowing up. I mean, these the, there's future events that obviously that would cause the solar system when they're flying through. You know, even decades later, there would be problems with all that. But it's the fact the sheer scale of these fleets that yeah. three of them get blown. The forces are still there at the end, aren't they? You know, yeah. heavily, heavily destroyed. Mm-hmm. And Lil Horus, he's really happy at the at, before thinking, oh, I've done this flawless beat Sigismund, and then turns away with nothing. He has yeah. no force. His whole force is just wiped out. And then that, and then what happens is the the Imperial Fist fleet that was retreating turns around. Sigismund gives the order, and they dive back in. Yeah, and it's that um, moment they realise that it wasn't they were retreating for uh, manoeuvrability. No, they, they were pulling away. Yeah, they knew. I mean, Horus yeah. to be little Horus to be fair, he only sends a third of his force to attack. You know, to harass mm. the retreating Imperial forces. But I think the rest. That got left there was pretty much annihilated. So then, but then uh, we have Sigismund. Sigismund uh, sends a suicide unit, so to speak, to carry on to stop Little Horus p- 
plunging after the main fleet that he brings back and then obviously Sigismund's main fleet plunges into the wrecks of uh, well, Lil Horace's fleet and just the amount of ship killing there it's, it's even saying, you know, ships are blowing up after one torpedo because they're so heavily destroyed, you know a torpedo is yeah. just going straight through them and just annihilating whole ships because they're, they're desperately trying to uh, and then we get the uh we get the the combat between Horus Axelund and Sigismund that takes place as well. Yeah, and I thought that was really well written because we all we all know uh, Sigismund is probably the best non-Primarch, really, isn't he? He's always said to be the best swordsman. He's never defeated through oh, the horse. Skill, so. Is he weapon skill seven? Yeah, he's weapon skill seven, yeah. Yeah, so as a character in the actual game. But uh, yeah, so he, he kind of bites off more than he can chew, though. In the mission. I think it's more Lil Horsey's awareness. So he teleports onto Sigismund's battle barge, doesn't he? Mm. And Lil Horus knows in one-to-one combat he won't win. So yeah. how uh, everyone knows how a challenge system works. So it's like, <laughs> my Praetor will fight your Praetor. It's like, yeah, I'll send my sergeant in instead. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's essentially what happens. Lil Horus, he just holds back killing all the Bolter men. Or Sigismund's forced to fight for his whole army. That's it. And Sigismund's uh, little champion bloke gets his ass handed to him. Yeah. Um, and just when all seems lost, uh, Ran turns up with his uh, breaches with all their axes and it turns into a massive scrap. Yeah, and that's Sigismund and Horus. They end up fighting. They come together in the clash. Sigismund's wounded in loads of different ways, isn't he? Yeah, he, but at, the, at that moment, he just wants to die, doesn't he? He's got a death wish, you yeah, know. Yeah. He because of what he's done, his Primarch hates him. He just wants to die. He he thinks if he dies, it's atoning. Yeah, but kind of like just... lone wolves from Space Wolves in they used to do. And... That's a way of thinking about it. Yeah, I never thought about it that way. But yeah, so he he ends up taking little Horace's arm, doesn't he? Yeah, and yeah, so much as in the Horus Heresy is just a split second too late because as he's plunging yeah. his uh, sword into his neck, they teleport away, and you're like, yeah. for fuck's sake, one more second, and that yeah, would have been. It. And then uh, so he beams away, but because more ships are coming through the gate. More and more ships, and uh, and they've massively damaged the fleet that they, as much as they could, they then <coughs> continue to pull back. And I mean that even with more ships coming through the gate, the with the moons blowing up, and it's going to be so hard to navigate that. That's <coughs> going to create yeah. extra extra days of navigation to try and bring them through. And uh, so Perturabo didn't see that one coming. Nah, no, he didn't. And. I mean, to be fair, he, he knew something was happening, but, you know, that it was a brilliant ploy by yeah. Dawn. And it's all, this whole war, everything in the soul system is about time, isn't it? You yeah. know, and he says, is he an extra two days or something like that? Dawn mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. holds him to. And as we know, that then two days make a massive difference at the end of the heresy. Uh, meanwhile, you've got the um, forces under Abaddon. They're driving down, and they come under contact with the White Scars fleet. Yeah, and I think, I think the nice thing is there's so much that goes on in this book, but you also think oh, this could have been split into two books easily, and yeah, you know, the, you, you it, still would it, think this hasn't covered it enough. Yeah, 
you know, there could be so many little short stories that runs off this book. If if they wanted to, I know they've only said it's eight books. Yeah. But I love that so, White Scars bloke. The Summer, the Lord of Summer Lightning, is he? Yeah. Is it Jubal Khan? Is that his? Yeah. Yeah, Jubal Khan. That's his name. But they, so it's, um, they've got two missions, really, haven't they? The the fleet under Abaddon. Yeah. The first is, is is probably the key one, which is to get onto the comet. Yeah. So uh, if you've, I can't think of the short stories. It's, it's a short story it's about, yeah, yeah, it's about Sigismund, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's quite important to read, I think, if you haven't read it. It's no, yeah. no game changer, but it's, you you do wonder about it if you haven't read it. It's a nice yeah. added link into there. Yeah, it's the first time that that short story. It's an audio drama. It's the first time that um, Sigismund actually goes to kill other Astartes. Yeah, because. Um, within the solar system, there are sort of shrine cemeteries, I guess, would be the way of thinking about it, although not religious. Oh, they weren't supposed to be religious, where they'd put heroes of the Imperium of the Great Crusade that died. Yeah, kind of um, memorials, aren't they? Yeah, they'd hollowed out the comets that fly around the solar system. And this specific one, it was the word bearers um, that maintained it and looked after it. Yeah. Uh, and. Uh, they try to bring f- demons forth on that comet. That's one of the reasons why it, it goes to purge it of of the word bearers themselves. But um, they bring forth demons when it. That's in that short story. Yeah, I think a nice little part is that kind of gives it a hint at what Horus has bound to and how little understood they are. Although I do wonder why Malkador doesn't, you know, work out quite a lot of this as well. Is the fact that Dawn purges this place of uh, word bearers, but he doesn't understand why they're stuck around. You know, why mm. were they, you know, he doesn't, he can't see a bigger purpose. He can't see the bigger plan of mm. what the Neverborn are or how we all work. So that was a flaw, but it goes through that all the way through, doesn't it? I mean, they have a mm-hmm. uh, meeting with all the Primarchs and <clears throat> none of the, all the Primarchs know they're missing links in this uh, plan, but they can't work it out. Mm. And I think that it's, I think it does show, it does really show how, how good Dawn is, to be honest, because he's, he's quite overlooked because of where he is, but it does show him how his organization and stuff like that, how he is in military, how his military mind works. Mm. But essentially, the, the 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 fleet Abaddon's fleet um, has a load of running back white scars being white scars. It's all hit and run attacks by their ships where they dart in, firing missile torpedoes, you know, gun runs, all that kind of stuff, and small skirmish actions to try and bleed by a thousand cuts as they, as this force dives towards the center of the soul system, or certainly towards terror. But the purpose of the mission is to get onto that uh, comet. To enact a ritual. Yeah. So this is a main, the main force of getting onto the comet is word bearers and pheasant sons. Mm-hmm. And then when they're on the comet, do you want to talk about what what they what, what they do and why this is important? Well, that he actually spends time to learn each of the uh, what each person died of, doesn't he? Did you remember that bit? He starts uh, 
mm. looking at how all they all died, and he says it's important we remember this because mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think even at that point the Thousand Sons totally agree with how things are running. And but yeah, they uh, once again with so many loyal sons in one place, they commit a dark ritual that basically opens up the uh, warp in the solar system, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, that's essentially, yeah. So the ritual, the small ritual or the massive ritual that's taking place to get this tiny fleet through is essentially enacted, but because of all the death, the structure and everything that's been taking place across the solar system, it's all like extra payments and it's enough to help with the the ritual that Aramin effects where, yeah. I he, think <laughs> it's pretty much hinted that this comment comet is Haley's comet so we all know yeah, it does, yeah, yeah. and it says when they open up this ritual that the whole route it's ever gone through its life is open up to the warp so mm-hmm. you can imagine how big that uh, warp gate is in the solar system and needless to say the question all the way through the book which we probably should have spoke about earlier all the primarchs kept asking was where's Horus, where's Horus? yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, because that's right. The the projections as as the battle had been unfolding was that Horus has failed. Yeah. That no matter what now, the losses that that, that fleet are taking, and the time delays that it's causing, etc., mean that Horus can't win. Yeah, and it, and all of a sudden, I mean they, they they work out that even with the fleets, even if they get into to Earth, that they wouldn't be strong enough nowhere near. Yeah, you know, and all Dawn has to do is move one or two fleets, and he could wipe them all out. That's it. Send in the phalanx. They keep talking yeah. about release the phalanx, and you'll you'll wipe this force out of the out of existence. But and then you don't know exactly what's talked about between the Primarchs because it's hinted, isn't it, that there's you know they share looks between each other. Mm. But Sanguinus is saying, well, we all know he's failed. If you move these fleets, you can you know, certify his failure, you can wipe them all out. And then, mm. yeah, he's lost. But at the same time, because of Sanguinus' visions, he also knows that Horus is going to Earth, so no one can work out how it's yeah. going to happen. And it, that's a sense all the way through the book, isn't it? Malkador even runs to the Emperor to try and figure out how yeah, this right, is. Yeah. We all know that there's pieces missing here, but we can't see the whole picture. And yeah. it's because, Mal- I mean, Malkador's cut off from the warp. Uh, everyone who tries to access it is driven instantly mad. So even the links between uh, the fleets it takes hours to get backwards and forwards because they can't use... The any... astropathic yeah. choirs. And, yeah. So, so, but yeah, by enacting the ritual, <laughs> it opens up, as you said... A massive warp rift. I yeah, guess it's not really a rift as such, is it? It's just like a tear in space, and then outpours everything. Everything, and uh, you've got all the... these massive fleets were nothing yeah. compared to what outpours it. Is it? It's some. They don't. Yeah. They say it's not even a tenth of. So you've got all of all of the main force of the Sons of Horus, all of the World Eaters, uh, all of the imp- uh, Emperor's Children. Um, as well as countless other battle fleets and lost and damned and whatnot. What's really cool is that see you've got Angron riding the Conqueror as he comes through, brandishing so Demon Primarch on top of his ship, um, screaming it, <laughs> "Let's go!" 
proper wouldn't it be proper metal? Wouldn't it be quite funny if one of them uh, bits of the moon now just hit his shift and ship oh, enough to yeah. shake him off, and he just flies through space towards the sun? <laughs> so, but yeah, with that, with this one act, they've basically brought the entire um, rebel force into the center of the solar system. And to be honest, it's kind of like it's. I suppose it's like Horace's signature move when you think back to the all in all campaign mm. and uh, when you read about a uh, vengeful spirit, he always seems to find a way to get a massive fleet in system, doesn't he? He's, there's mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. a gap. He, all of a sudden, this fleet always appears. Yeah, he always finds... Well, he's a war master. Yeah. He finds the and way through. That's what Dawn and uh, Sanguina says. When has mm-hmm. he ever not been brilliant? Yeah. And this time he's using all the powers at his command to make sure that he he bypasses yeah. the strategically brilliant defence systems that have been put in place. Um, it'd be worth noting there's the epic duel between Abaddon and Jubal Khan. Yeah. Jubal Khan gets killed. Well, yeah, we, we all know Abaddon isn't yeah, going to, he, don't we? You know, but... So, but it's to give, one of the things that... I think it's more an account of himself, though. Yeah. The fact that... So, uh, they're cutting through Abaddon's fleet and Abaddon comes up with a cunning plan of having one of the big ships just uh, give off fake signatures like it's it's going to uh, explode, anyone slows down, can't keep up with the fleet, so all the white guards suddenly plunge on it. Little do they know that, yeah, it's a ploy. So uh, all of a sudden, it starts attacking the white guards. They teleport onto the uh, white guards' bridge, don't they? Yeah. And then <laughs> they suddenly find out that they've ployed them. them. Yeah. So they all te- teleport onto the White Scar's main ship and so like, oh, where's everyone? And then the next thing, a uh, assault ram rams through the uh, bridge, doesn't it? Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. The, the it's, play, the counterplay, the double... Yeah, uh... and it's it's that moment where you can see there must, there's so many great generals in mm. the fleets. And yeah. These are the best it, of the best. Yeah, he the, kicks yeah. Abaddon's ass pretty much, doesn't he? Well, yeah. It's a. I mean, he's he's the lighter man, isn't he? He's faster yeah. in his power armor and he's um, swirling his sword around, all sorts of stuff. But, a thousand cuts. Yeah, but Abaddon is he's marked by dark fates, mate. Yeah, and uh, and that's talked about all the way through, it actually, isn't it? Yeah, you, you see different parts. I really like the, so. Just to finish that bit, Abaddon kills the bloke. Yeah, which we all um, guessed, which is a yeah. shame because he was, you know, really cool. And it's good. You know, this is them closing off uh, storylines and story arcs. Yeah. And, you know, not everyone survives the heresy. They can't survive the heresy. There's billions of people, billions upon billions get killed. So it's good to see these characters die. But what you get in the book is some background into Abaddon. Yeah. And Abaddon is a ganger on Caphonia and how he was he refused to kill his brothers, his friends. So his it's his dad, isn't it, is the chieftain yeah, King, of this gang. It? Yeah. And he basically says, Be a man and kill all these people and prove to me that you're a man. And instead Abaddon kills his father and all the gangers. Yeah. Uh, and frees his people. Which um, probably should have give a little bit of warning to the t- kind of person he would end up as, really. Yeah, and he, then he, he gets, doesn't mind treachery straight away. But he gets, uh, well, he, his loyalties he, to his, his friends. Loyal to his friends, yeah, and those that have earned his loyalty rather than those who just 
demand it. But he um, he's recruited into the Sons of Horus, or the at the time, the 16th Legion, the Lunar Wolves, by Hasta Sejanus, who's the guy that um, was one of the original Mornaval people and was Horus's best mate for a long time, if you remember. Yeah. Um, and then he gets taken to Luna to be worked on by the um, the gene rights of Luna and turned into a space marine there. And he, Horus himself, comes to him whilst he's still in his transformation phase because he's been told about this guy. He's one of the last people that's going to be recruited from his home planet, isn't he? With the well, stresses of the uh, Great Crusade, yeah. they're going to have to start taking from multiple locations and he's one of the last... And he's one of the last to be taken back to the solar system to be turned into a space marine, um, and that's where he. Do, that's where the scene you see Horace give him the coin and join me and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, so after beating the White Scars, they plunge. Conti- they continue on with the second aim of their mission, which is to take Luna. Which obviously would be no easy task with the amount of defenses mm-hmm. that has. And we all know what's on Luna. Precisely. And that's the... So just as it looks like um, after loads of epic scenes and loads of really well-described battle bits and pieces, it gets to the point where the Luna, uh, the Sons of Horus are about to destroy Luna or certainly all the, the gene works that are there. And that's when Hor- and that's when Abaddon pauses and he approaches the leader of the gene rights who's trying to self-destruct loads of bits so that stuff doesn't fall into his hands and basically says look you don't want to destroy all this Horus doesn't want to destroy this join us instead and this is where the Selenar um, betray the Emperor and yep. say we'll go with Horus then. Yeah it's just self preservation because let's face facts at the start of the heresy if they wanted to destroy all that work they could have done it at any time you know yeah. they didn't have to wait until the fleets were in system yeah and that's what Abaddon kind of says that. He says, you could have destroyed this already. Yeah. You could have destroyed this as I was approaching. You could destroy... You're still taking your time now. Um, you don't want to destroy your works. You don't want to destroy your reason for being. And we don't want to destroy it either. And she just... She says, what do you want? Legions. Yeah. Legions. Yeah. So, right in the heart of the solar system... Um, Horus is going to have his legions reinforced by newborn being created. Yeah, and you you know, I mean, just how how many ships are in there? How many people that can? They don't care if you if you don't survive. They can implant yeah. everyone. That's yeah. Also, in this period, you've got the the relief of Mars. So the traitors drive off the fleets from around Mars. Sort of, it basically sets the scene. So all the loyalist fleets withdraw from the different spheres of defense and close back in on terror because of what's happened and all the other ships coming out. There's also the Mercedes Ollerton storyline, which I kind of, for a lot of it, just felt like, yeah, know, it's, it's fluff or uh, not fluff, like a weird filler. So you have, um, Loken going a bit mental again. And yeah, he, he goes to get rescuer. You have that little scene where Malkador's like, um, he gets asked, "Why didn't you just? Why are you not stopping him?" When Logan goes to try and uh, find Mercedes Ollerton, he says, "Maybe I'm a sentimental fool." Does that sound right? And she's like, "No." <laughs> yeah. So um, I love Malkador. Yeah. He's he's by far one of my favourite characters. Yeah. So Logan goes and rescues Mercedes Ollerton, and then she's like, "Oh, 
because there's a navigator that's been helping her as well that yeah. was a prisoner on this ship um so she she's based around titan isn't she her and yeah. then well, in, Titan's not there. That's yeah, the, it's they're in in transit because obviously they've mm. put uh, Titan in the warp to hide it for we all know Grey Knights. Mm-hmm. So as they're transiting in system in this prison ship, obviously everything happens, and Malkador just sends forward saying, "Just kill everyone in the you know we can't yeah. have any of these fall into enemy hands, kill them all." And as they're going around, obviously something happens to the ship, which is struck or hit his knee and then all hell breaks loose she manages to escape and yeah she's been given a uh a call it a prophecy by her saint yeah keeler yeah uh that she that she has to talk to dawn, dawn. she has to reach dawn because it's mm-hmm. the we all we said earlier about there's a missing part well she realizes she's shown that all the planets are aligning aligning and this is mm. the missing part. This is what Dawn hasn't seen, how he affects the Neverborn and the warp. This is so, because it's so far out of their territory. Mm. They don't mm. understand. And so she's on a quest to, to go and tell Dawn. Dawn. And tell him this, yeah. Yeah, so, and then... I mean, there's there's countless times she could have just gone on the Vox and said, you know, <laughs> yeah, tell Dawn that this, there's planets are aligning and stuff. You know, it's always one of them things, isn't it? And they, so they end up on the phalanx. So Dawn eventually decides that he's he's got to do something. So he gets on his ship, which is uh, almost moon-sized in its in of its own right. As we all know, the phalanx is fucking huge. Um, but they end up on it, and she she gets in front of Dawn, and she realizes at that point that uh, the navigator is uh, suddenly next to her, and look, yeah. When Loken rescued her, he says, well, where's this navigator then? Where's this uh, navigator, yeah. Yeah, because Loken can sense something, but he can't pinpoint it. Yeah. And then, essentially, it's all along, it's been Samus. Samus, Samus is coming. So even the message that she thinks is the a prophecy from Keela, I think that's that's... Samus has been fucking with her head. Yeah, it's actually Samus. And she does yeah. turn around and say, is this prof, you know, was it all lies? And he says, no. He says, mm. what we told you was the truth because yeah. that's the best, best lie. And it's all, yeah. we can show you the truth and you'll believe it's a lie anyway. So, you know, what she was telling you was helpful. but And then, so, yeah, now you've got Samus on the bridge of the phalanx. So you've got Dawn and Samus fighting, and that Dawn brings out his he releases his Librarius at this point. Yeah, because of all the demons that uh, are threatening to overwhelm the Phalanx. I always find it weird that there's only about four Librarians in the whole Iron Fist Legion, though. Imperial Fist Legion. Uh, yeah, Imperial yeah. Fist. Yeah. So yeah, well, but uh, and then so there's he keeps killing Samus, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Just can't. Like, just you can't destroy him. It's like when they first meet him on uh, what is it, the Whisper Heads. Yeah. And Logan kills him, and it's like, oh no, he must have just been a disease, and all of a sudden he comes back alive again. He's uh, his brother. Yeah. So essentially, the scene gets set through this, doesn't it? Yeah. So. So the uh, Phalanx is now, it's just full of the Neverborn, isn't it? Yeah. It's, you know, the warp is all though. around it. That and they yeah. they said if we can't control it. Then we'll just make it a funeral player. Yeah, they're so, going to drive it into the sun, weren't they? Yeah. I think. 
Um, so, and Dawn, obviously, that would mean they kill Dawn as well. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, the uh, the last fear around Earth, the last defence line, is assaulted by the warp, isn't he? It's... Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, Dawn doesn't die. Spoiler. Spoiler. Um, so he... So basically, they send it off into the outer reaches of the thing. They, they sort of purge it, don't they, of of the demon infestation. Sigismund's ship. Is it Sigismund? Well, it's not Sigismund's yes. ship, but he's on it. Uh, As it turns up. Yeah, because uh, with, with Horus's fleet arriving through the warp, it basically means you can't navigate in system mm-hmm. because basically the whole solar system is in in the warp now isn't it kind of like the eye of terror and they have to navigate by the sun that's the only yeah and even the sun's not its normal color it's all it's a swirling violent yeah. multicolor isn't it yeah yeah but that's the only right. thing they can use to navigate they, they can't see earth they can't see any of the planets and they they mm-hmm. have to use that to navigate to yeah yeah and then uh so but the book ends with the solar system in Horace's hands, less Earth yep. for one of better. There's little pockets of resistance still, yep. uh, fortresses and whatnot that will need to be taken. But by and large, all the fleet, the loyalist fleets have been pushed back um, and scattered away. And Horus and his overwhelming armada are now poised above Earth. And I think a nice gives you this idea of the strength of Horus because he's able to see through everyone's eyes through the whole mm-hmm. system, isn't he? Mm-hmm. He looks at through Abaddon's eyes, sees Earth, sees you know through various stages of his fleet. He gives a sense how his psychic power has grown, really. Yeah, yeah. How and much... then, uh, and so the book ends. It's it's, book, it's sort of book ended, isn't it? The the book with the same. It goes back into the astral plane. Yeah, and you've got. Horus and the Emperor once again have a, a little tete-a-tete um, yeah. where Horus turns up as the wolf again and tells it, basically the Emperor runs away. Yeah, and he's, he's saying, you know, why won't you speak to me? I'm alone. And I like the mm. scene. The Emperor just looks up at him and says... Says you're never alone. Yeah, yeah not now. And yeah. yet, from the darkness just comes laughter. Yeah, because the Chaos Gods are... Yeah. Bit, He's a puppet of the Chaos Gods without reason. Yeah, isn't he? and because it, it earlier he does, he he then says to the Chaos Gods, "You think I've lied to you, but you haven't <laughs> told him why you need him, why yeah. why you've chosen him. You haven't told him any anything." <laughs> and I think I think this is the scene with Horus thinks he knows the truth, but he, you know he doesn't. He's being played even more by the Chaos Gods. But he g- yeah. gives you a sense of how, just how powerful he's become. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because even when the Emperor and Malkador are talking, I'm not sure where, but I'm sure they talk about even if all three Primarchs are fighting Horus, that they wouldn't have a chance because of how powerful he's become. Malkador can sense him. The Emperor also knows it. Uh, it's, yeah. So it, 13 days, isn't it? It was the 13... No, what was it? 13th of Secundus. So the day before Valentine's Day. <laughs> so it's been um, all of January and then 13 days into the, into February. So what's that, 44 days? I mean, he yeah. still doesn't give... I mean, can you remember how many days they've lost 
I think he ends up being something like a month or something, doesn't he? What, since? On their time scale, they've lost a month. Because Dawn keeps saying, you know, all we're doing is buying time for, you know, relief to come come through, for Gillisman to come. Mm, uh, yeah. And I think uh, it's about a month that they, they've been held up by. Mm, my, I, I can't remember what it says. I just know it's the 13th day of Secundus when the first bombs fall on Earth. Yeah. From the fleet, so... Yeah, and I it, think I think it's fantastic the book, mate. Yeah, and there's a great scene with Dawn fighting a great drawing of Dawn fighting uh, Samus as well. Yeah, it's a nice sketch, isn't there? Yeah, in the, the, at so. the time Dawn is unarmed as well, so he's he's actually got a legionnaire sword, hasn't he? Just an old yeah. one. Yeah, that he picked up off. Of. Yeah, a two-handed one. That he's just obviously wielding in one hand. Yeah, and it looks like a little uh, gladius, doesn't it? Yeah, it's done. But the um, I mean, there's still battles going out on out and about in the solar system where pockets of loyalists are still fighting and the ships hitting mine. one of the traitor ships hits a mine and gets ripped apart yeah. you know as they're getting into position over earth but yeah essentially uh the stage is set for the invasion of terror the last sentence of the book horus is the wolf talking to the emperor is run it calls run father and know that i am coming run yeah so, I think uh, I think this is one of John Frenchy's best works. Yeah. Oh, de- definitely. You know, there's not there's so much he, he must have. I can only imagine how much uh, ideas he must have been banding around. I mean, the, the destruction of the moons was brilliant. It's yeah, one yeah, of my favourite things. Yeah. But he's obviously knows the Primarchs. They're going. He has to make them all brilliant. And it's hard mm. to make so many Primarchs brilliant when they're all fighting in the same battle. Yeah. And I think he did it really well. I think the uh, the missing link with, obviously, the Loyalist Primarchs were really good because it, it shows that certain things could have changed if they would have known the whole truth of the plans. But he also gives... That just shows the tactical brilliance of Horus, really, yeah. and quite what he sided with. That's it. The... I think the, there are so many moments in this that would lend themselves well to be played played out um, in game turns. Yeah. Oh, you definitely. Have, so there's clearly Battlefleet Gothic, a, a version of that game. I mean... within this other system would be amazing. But loads of Zone Mortalis battles. Yeah, Zone, Zone Mortalis. I mean, Necromunda type games you can yeah. chuck in there because... It, it talks about all these uh, drug-filled psychos. I mean, Goliaths, you can have them as the drug-filled psychos. Oh, mate, and just maybe a handful of, you know, well, three or four space marines for yeah. the armoured and give Goliaths even combat weapons and just, you know, run hordes of them and see if they can just hold out for as long as... Yeah. There's so many ideas you can come up with. Ton. The, the you know, the White Scars crashing their... Uh... Assault ram into the bridge and oh, yeah. or out. You could just do a little battle with some Justera and Abaddon and and use that uh, new Praetor model from the in the Mark II armor and for for the White Scars and have reenact that bit. You've got Luna, yeah. Got Abaddon on the. You guys there's a touching moment. There's a little bit. I don't know if you saw it. There's that. Li- oh, you will have read it. There's that little bit where um, when Horus is looking through people's eyes, as you were saying, or sort of scanning the thing, and Abaddon's at the um, the pool. The, the water pool yes uh, on Luna and it's just harking back to that Mournaval yeah imagery. where it all started yeah it's really 
that's one of my, I think one of the favourite things of this book was Abaddon is fleshed out a little bit more because up to now in the in the heresy especially he's kind of just been this hulking brute of a thing in the yeah. background. I quite like that. Although he's we're not going to say he's not brilliant or anything like that. I do like how he is shown up a few times. Yeah, that he's not a Primarch. He's a space marine. Yeah, and you know and the what be... the white scars. I mean, pretty much why they just didn't blow up that uh, ship. As soon as yeah. they take, you know, put a nuke on the bridge or something like that, and they all storm in and then just blow it. Yeah. <laughs> One of them things, but I do think so, sometimes Space Marines have a bit too much on, and it's just like, yeah, fuck that, just blow it up. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could say that about the Emperor. From the story that we know, when the Vengeful Spirit drops its shield, insert nuclear bombs rather than, you know. But hey, or Life Eater Virus. Put a Life Eater Virus onto the onto the vengeful spirit ah, but I, he's, on. he's got the darkness protecting him then hasn't it? Uh, maybe maybe he, i mean how many like uh in vengeful spirit where that knight kicks him into a uh, rhino is it mm, mm. <laughs> and he's like what the fuck how is he still alive and even yeah, horus now, even, horus is thinking how am i still alive and my still probably my favorite scene is uh fire raptors i fucking love them just flying up yeah Tibalt Ma, uh, not Tibalt, yeah, what's his name? Uh, Sadrat Medjusa. Yeah. I mean, on Dwell. Yeah, it's a really good scene that. But um, the amount but this... of bombs going off around Pluto as well, you've got the fighter bombers, they're just little waves because the yeah. ship's so badly damaged and they're just executing ships. And he just, I think the great thing he does is portray just how many ships was in Horus's fleet. I think it beats everyone's projections, doesn't it? You know, I don't think anyone ever thought Horus's forces were this big. Certainly not to the way it's described. But it's even it's the new stuff that I never thought about that he has thought about and they've brought into this. So the the huge space hulks, you know, or reformed asteroids, and yeah. it's almost like or it, it, it's kind of orky. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I, I do like that scene where he goes, "Oh, this wasn't planned. Oh, well, it changes nothing." Yeah, and it, so, it was when the first one blows up, and the other one comes through. So, oh, shit. yeah, it's just so many. I lo- like I said, moments I, in it. I love so... the idea that they've just implanted everyone with gene seed. Mm. I mean, mm. it's the newborn. Yeah, yeah, with with the blowing up of the, uh, it talks about hundreds of thousands of marines uh, attacking Pluto and stuff, and it just mm. shows how much they what must have wiped out just by that. You know, blowing up the moons there, they they must have killed so many of them newborn marines. Obviously, you know, we know he gets to Lunar, so there's a hell of a lot more mm. to come. But you know, every every kid on Earth's just going to be forced into being a traitor. Which, to be honest, I can't see why they're not forced into being a lawless straight away anyway. Yeah, the the book's brilliant. So you you've got uh, unexpected twists in what the um, traitor forces get up to. Lots of good exposition. There's some really cool scenes with um, is it Suka-san? Is that how you pronounce her name? The uh, the uh, admiral. The admiral. So she yeah. stands up to the she's standing up to Primarchs and telling them no, you're wrong or this. Yeah, it's not the way we should be doing things. You've got the interplay between Sanguinius, uh, Jagatai Khan, Dawn, Malkador, Valdor, her in all the uh, council meetings and trying to figure out what's going on and. Yeah, because uh, yeah. I think the great thing is they can all see exactly what's happening, and they all know there's things wrong, 
but none of them can put their finger on and it, it is just interplays it's yeah the they're you know, saying, they're... well, why don't you do this, knowing that there's reasons behind it. But it, it's just kind of like brainstorming, isn't it? They're trying to get exactly what's going on and horse. So there's 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 lots of hope. It seems at times that they might... I mean, we, the reader, know that they're not going to be able to push yeah. back, but they have hope that they're winning different bits, and then that gets crushed. You have near, near misses, you, so you have people almost die, people... Like yeah. Sigismund, I thought... I thought if I hadn't known that Sigismund gets killed by Abaddon because of uh, reading um, ADB's book, like years after the uh, yeah. heresy, clearly, if I hadn't known that that's what was happening, you could have thought Sigismund was... Well, you know he ends up on Earth. Yeah, I, I did like how, you know, him and Lil Horus had a fight. You know, yeah. Horus stood back, let his uh, men do all the work. Mm-hmm. And I like when Lil Horus come to execute him, there was no word spoken. And uh, Sigismund says that's a sign of someone who's confident in their abilities. And he's, he, he, knows, yeah. he knows nothing's getting... You don't, you, you, don't, you don't start bragging and waving your sword around in yeah. the air like, yes, I've won, because then you're going to die. But the um... but his sergeant kicks Horus's ass a bit and uh, he's, uh, he does a manoeuvre that's absolutely flawless, doesn't he? He says that it's absolutely the perfect thing to kill Lil Horus, but he's been schooled by Horus himself. You know, yeah. there's nothing wrong with his technique. Everything is flawless, but this man has been with Horus for such a long time. He knew as soon as he did, it, it was a mistake. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, you see so many cool moments in the book. Um, I highly recommend it to everyone. Yeah. I mean, oh. everyone, everyone that plays this hobby. Everyone that's interested in 30k will read this book at some point. Admit- you, you absolutely have to. Admittedly, and- I haven't seen much, say, reviews on it. I've known, a, I've seen a lot of people say they love it. I've, I've seen no negativity, and I think that's only no. a good sign. Yeah. I'm not arguing that he's an out there because everything will we'll have some sort of. You know, no, but- someone's probably crying because Gilliman wasn't in the system, Pete. Yeah, <laughs> you know, something, rid- <laughs> something ridiculous. Again, well, why doesn't? I don't know, such and such happened. But I think they did dawn really well. Mm-hmm. I think the certain Primarchs that haven't had a chance to be shown off for their abilities. And I think, you know, Dawn is really starting to come into his own on in these yeah. books now. So, yeah, I mean, the it, it was so good that at times I've thought about doing an Imperial Fist army. <laughs> really? Yeah. So, but I don't need to because I've got a... A force to take part in any siege of terror battle, which is my son's a Horus, and you seem to have one as well. Well, I'm I, looking forward to that next book. I, I seem to have to make a solo exilia, and yeah. then you, I can we can just have his trying to claim the uh Pluto's asteroids and stuff like that, yeah. can't we? The moons, oh, yeah, brilliant. Um, so I think that's it for the review, mate. Yeah, I think if you haven't, let's have a little brief talk about the next book. We don't know. Anything, but we've seen the picture, haven't we? So the picture shows a load of guardsmen in a trench. Yeah. And behind it, Sanguinius walking out from the, sort of the Imperial Palace towards them. He's got Dawnbreak. Is it Dawnbringers? Dawnbreakers? What are they called? They, he's, I think this. Sanguinary Guard? Yeah, this, the Sanguinary Guard behind him. But I think this is going to hint at the battle between Angron and Sanguinius. 
isn't it? <clears throat> so what's is it? The Lost and the Damned is that what it's called? This this is shows how uh, professional we are and how <laughs> you know we I organise. We gonna, I think. Yeah, I don't think we're going to talk about book two. Well, it's not talk so much. Just you know what our, maybe our hopes are and stuff like that. But it's exciting, isn't it? Yeah. So I mean, the 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 sort of canon that exists already. The short stories that are in uh, Visions of Heresy and whatnot. We know that there's a load of Imperial Army that turn on Terra. So they're all in their defensive positions and they switch to Horus's side. Yeah. Um, so we know that there's going to be that. We also know that Sangrinus and uh, Angron have a, because it's, there's a moment where Angron walks the walls and says the emperor doesn't deserve your pri- uh, protection mm. you know join us and all this and then sanguinus arrives and basically just goes fuck you yeah so, so the, the, you know they're going to have a good fight and it, it, that's gotta be an epic fight because ne- yeah, neither of them uh, die so you it's one of them i think it's that's probably going to lead on to uh sanguinus versus his good old buddy the blood firster cabanda yeah, yeah the, the there's going to be um it's going to be the landings taking place spaceports so there's still a number of books to go isn't there so yeah there's gonna be epic fights we're gonna get some human characters so we're gonna see a, a viewpoint of of the everyday person that's stuck on this planet with super demigods fighting and demons and all sorts there's gonna be um cool white scar action I'd like to see some uh, Empress Children stuff going on and the mounds of corpses and hedonistic stuff that they will get up to with those that they capture. We know uh, Fulgrim and Jagadaya have a fight, don't we? Do we? Yeah, that uh, last year's Weekender, uh, when I was talking about it, my question was, Primark fighter you're looking forward oh, to? Oh, yeah, that's right. You're right, yeah. And so, that's what they say. Yeah, that's, so it'll be... that's going to be good. Yeah, and there's, I mean, there's going to be loads of twists and turns. You've got every legions on there. I'd like to see little throwbacks to things like Talos and whatnot from the Night Lords books, the 40k Night Lords books. You have flashbacks in that of them fighting the Blood Angels on um, Terror during the Siege of Terror. Yeah. So I'd like to see some of that little bits, maybe. Doesn't have to be full books about it. I just want a little chapter or a throwaway line, or don't even have to refer to him by name. Things like the Night Lord's Apothecary, because that's what he was. Yeah. Uh, stopped and helped to patch up Khan. You've got Khan and Sigismund are going to have their big fight um, when it's... Sigismund's the Empress Champion and all that business. But that I don't think that'll be in this next book. I think yeah. this next book will be all about human forces and the initial landings onto Terra. And it will be about people turning. Well, we'll see some some Primark action, but I don't think it'll be too massive. No. I no. think uh, it'll be more the interplay and stuff. Obviously, I dare, we're going to see Sanguinus at some point, I, I dare say. Probably, it's yeah. probably going to be him marshalling. The human forces. So yeah. I reckon it's going to be how... Because he's a symbol of hope, isn't he? Yeah. As an angel. So he... Maybe him stopping the rot. Yeah, he... So, his presence stops people from turning against the emperor. And it, it maybe it's it does talk about how in the siege of terror he's everywhere at the same time. Yeah. They, they say all all where the fighting's the thickest he's there. 
I dare say to go and have a bit of White Scars maybe not being their true selves, you know, because he talks about them trying to uh, fight the battle that Dawn wants, you know, on the wars and shooting, and it's just not working for, you know, working so, for yeah, them. That's not I, how they operate. I, and, I think that'll be a later book with the I, White Scars. Yeah, but I think he might hint at you know doing them actions now and then well they 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 drive off don't they to do the take the lion's gate spaceport yeah but that like you say that's going to be much later yeah uh, but yeah there'll be lots of hit and run stuff and there'll be but i'm excited yeah i'm excited i really am and hopefully what it can't be is just loads of nothing but battle scenes there's got to be some cool human interaction stuff some twists turns and surprises you know how this is what the i tell last you who's not was. turned up yet the death guard have not come out the warp yet no they haven't so i one of the books that comes later will be if it's not in this one because that would be pretty cool if in this book you had because it's, if it's i'm pretty sure it's called lost in the damned i'd love to i'd love to see an interplay with the primarchs when they're all demon yeah yeah so we'll see what happens but if this is the opener and this is the benchmark they've got some big shoes to fill and a lot of hype to live up to because this was fantastic. Yeah, and it, I think when Forge World finally get round to doing them books, the the campaign systems they'll be able to run oh, will just be amazing, amazing. Just take it, just one fifth of that book and the ideas that are in this book um, translated into game terms would just be amazing. So yeah, so I think that's it. Yeah, so all good. So sorry for we've ruined anyone's solo war, but. I'll put spoilers saying don't read this if you listen to this if you haven't listened to uh, read it unless someone's going on auto download and he just downloads in the car and starts playing. Well, tough, <laughs> but it's no. I really enjoy it. It's a you know smashed out of the park. One of the best out of ten book. Yeah, one of the best books in the. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely everything I was hoping for. Yeah, smashed it, delivered it, and well happy. And when I'm when I was reading it, I had Pete's messaging me just filling me with bullshit again oh what's what's happening here <laughs> there's this happening and i'm like fuck off pete because you don't know if he's lying or he's truthful then so there were some truths and there were some lies <laughs> what a clone of sanguinus <laughs> did like that bit yeah <clears throat> but no really good book really happy and uh cool to review right so hopefully you've all enjoyed that if you haven't oh well <laughs> send send some money and then send me back to Japan. <laughs> we are so shit at podcasting. <laughs> we are so shit at it. We do need to start working on some structure, mate. We do need to yeah, try to do this properly. We will do one point. We went. That's Wes. That's Wes's domain. He loves it. Yeah. So. All right. So, well, guys, thanks very much for listening. Um. Yeah. Stay safe. Yeah. Take care. Reason heresy. That's heresy. Will you not talk now, father? Says Horace. Will you not tell me the truth? He squats down, eyes catching the ember glow, just as the rings on his fingers do. I am here. I am alone. The man beside the fire raises his head slowly. He looks old, his skin lined and folded with time, his hair white but his eyes are black from edge to edge, but the holes left for the eyes in the bronze statues of dead ages. 
You are never alone now, he says, and turns his gaze to the shadows of the trees. I see you, he says to the dark. For an instant, the fire flares bright. Sparks fountain up, and the light is not dim, but blinding. Brilliance pours into the spaces between the bare trunks and branches. Things of feather and fur and scale and bone shrink and snarl, but they do not retreat. And after the light fades, the shadows flow black to press close around the ember glow. Hypocrisy and hubris, father, says Horace. I don't know why it never struck me before it was revealed to me. You are a despot, no better than those whom you cast down to make your realm. A king with a false crown who built his throne on lies and slaughter and maintains it by force. Higher purpose, greater ends to justify any deed. All are just painted skin on a rotting skull. I know, father, I have seen. The man beside the fire does not move and the void of his gaze holds unblinking. Illumination, says Horace. That is what you used to call our goal. Truth and light. Well, I have seen it, father. I am illuminated. All is revealed to my sight, and there is no veil between me and the flame of truth. Horace shifts, and for a second he does not seem a man, but a shadow of something vast and haunched and furred, caught in the light of a blaze, much brighter than the fading embers before them. You still have some strength, says Horace, and raises his ringed hand. Slowly he reaches down into the fire and grips a glowing shard of wood. He lifts it, smoke fuming from where his skin chars. Horace holds the ember up, and the red fire glow lights his face. The heat and the fire fades, becoming cold black, then powdered ash. Horus looks at the emperor for a long second, then stands, his presence stretching up into the bare branches and night sky. But you are not strong enough. You never were. The emperor looks back to the dead ash of the fire before him, then he closes his eyes, and the image of the forest and fire and the face of his false son flee away into the distance, and there is only the voice of Horus, cold and laughing as it echoes after him. Run, it calls. Run, father, and know that I am coming. Run!